Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author, and Property Investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted today. If you could see in front of me, but you can't because you're listening, but in front of me, I have this vision of loveliness who is Tony Gargan. So hello, Tony. Hello. Oh, and, bless you. And it's so wonderful to have you on the podcast. I'm honoured to be here. Well, the honour is all mine. And for reasons which I'm sure will come out as we, as we talk. So, Tony, just to clarify things before we start, where do you come from? From Liverpool. Because people are going to think about that accent there. I'm <laughs> teasing a bit. Yeah, from Liverpool. But one day, not so long ago, you jumped in your car and you drove all the way to Peterborough. Can you remember when that was? January 2015. January 2015. Snowy January day. And what were you doing in Peterborough that day? I was dragged along by my husband who was interested in investing in property. So we came along to a beginner's property secret today. Trained by the lovely Peter Jones. Yes, that was the first time we met. It was. I was, yeah, I was leading that day, training that day, and you were one of the delegates. And you sat about three, four feet from me. And it was interesting that you'd been bought by your husband because your husband was actually quite quiet all day, wasn't he? Yep, that's standard. He knew that if he brought me along and got me interested, he could kind of wind me up and watch me go. So he had, he had an incentive, he had a plan for me to be the one to move forward with it because he knew that he's quite shy, he's quite reserved and it wasn't really the route to go down was to get me out there and get me kind of networking. Right, and I don't know whether it was a joint goal or whether it was your goal, but you had a particular goal and end in mind, didn't you, that you were thinking of? What was that, Tony? It was actually at the end of the day. You'd started the day and you'd been talking about property, how you can invest, how you can make the lifestyle that you want, but then you also said, we need more speakers and trainers. Yeah particularly females, and Chris nudged me and was like, well, you never shut up. You should give it a go. And by the end, it started at the quite cynical at the start of the day, thinking, okay, I want to make this work, but I'm not sure how we will. And by the end of it, I wanted your job. Yes. And have you got it? Hell yeah. <laughs> Which is not bad, is it? Because we're only two years on, two and, two and a bit years on. Yep. And you're now a lead trainer for Progressive. Yep. And you're actually leading and running beginner's days. I am, very yeah. course. And a lot more than that as well. Multiple streams of property, income events, all sorts of stuff. Yep. Yeah, which is fantastic. And you also had a goal for Chris, didn't you? Or, or yes. Chris had a goal for you for him, if yeah. that makes sense. What, what was that, Tony? The sole purpose of getting involved in property was that Chris hated his job and okay. wanted to leave it. So I wasn't really enjoying it. It wasn't really what he wanted to do. And he'd got stuck in a little bit of a trap of, you earn okay money, the hours are all right, I'll stick with the job. So the sole purpose was to replace his income and leave, for him to leave a job that he didn't really like. For him to leave his job. Mm. And are we any closer to that? Chris leaves his job today. Today? Yep, it's now, his very last day. Now, this is amazing, isn't it? Because anybody listening to this might think, oh yeah, you know, podcast, blah, blah, blah. This is all a bit of a setup. But actually, when I dragged you into the studio today... <laughs> You said to me before we came in, Chris is leaving his job today. And yep. I remember all those years ago, two years ago, you were talking about this. Yeah, and it's it actually happened. Exactly, yeah. So we initially started with him wanting to leave a job that he hated. And then roles reversed, I left my job first because I wanted to get into speaking and training. Yeah. 
and he's quite risk averse and I didn't think he'd ever do it. Got offered redundancy and not only did he take it, but we brought the date forward. So yeah, it's his last day today and I'm very excited. So what's he going to do with his time? He's, he's the brains behind the operation. He's completely the opposite to me. Hates the idea of networking, talking, his idea of standing on the stage is kind of the worst thing in the world for him. But he's so diligent, he's really detailed, so he's going to take over all that side of the property business. So he will manage the spreadsheets, he'll liaise with the investors that we've already got, and I'll still go off bringing in new investors and working with new people. So Brilliant. he's going to deal with all that Brilliant. side. Brilliant. So Chris is going to be involved in the property side? Yeah, he's going to be more involved than he's ever been before. So it's really exciting. Fantastic. It's interesting, isn't it, that the two of you are so different. It's the chalk and cheese JV all, all over again, isn't it? Yeah. And how often do we see that? And it works, isn't it? It really does work. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, we, I've got to be honest, I didn't think we'd work well together. I thought we'd be killing one another. But because we've both got different attributes, we both like different areas, it just it works really well in that we each do the parts that we're good at and that we like. And yeah, it works well. Yeah, so there we are. For anybody who's thinking about a JV partner and the sort of JV partner you need to be looking for, the lesson is look for somebody who's the opposite of you, not somebody who's the same as you. Mm -hmm. And you'll get much more done. Yeah, so brilliant. But anyway, we're here to talk about you today. I mean, it's fantastic what's happened with Chris. And obviously, if you hadn't done what you've done, that wouldn't have happened. But there's been a bit of a journey and a process, hasn't there? So you came down here, January 2015, yep. snowy day. You sat there listening to me talking for nine hours or whatever it was <laughs> about property. Something must have happened that day then. You must have gone away with some belief, some kind of plan, some kind of an idea. But what happened next? Because you wouldn't have just gone out the next day and bought your first property. So no. what was what's the journey been? I think what you, you gave us a wealth of knowledge to know and understand it but includes in that you gave us a massive belief in ourselves and that anyone can do it if you've got the right skills and the attributes and putting it into practice so Chris and I made a decision we knew one of us was going to be doing some training because logistically financially we've got two young children you know we're a 300 mile round trip away and I vowed on the journey here that we were never going to come back to Peter again. Did you? Yeah, it was horrendous drive. It took us five hours to get here. I don't know if you remember, but we turned up late. I do remember you turning up late, yes. And then I ended do. up sitting right at the front, right next to you. And, you know, that's Chris's idea of the worst thing ever. Walking in when the teacher's talking type mm, thing. Mm. And it was the best thing that could have happened, you know. Mm. From there, we decided to do some training. Um, and we had to make a decision who was going to do it because we feasibly couldn't do it together. And it just made sense because I'm the most vocal of the two of us. And I decided to do the masterclass, um, which we did in March 2015. And immediately after that, I signed up for the VIP programme because I knew I'd need the accountability because mm. life was still busy. Yeah. So I was going to say, what were you doing at that time? So I we were both you weren't full-time in property, were you? No, no. Both of us were working full-time in a day job. So Chris working full-time Monday to Friday. I was working shift patterns in retail, in mm. HR, and we were really busy. We've got two young children as well, mm. so the way we fitted it in was to allocate time, kind of each evening and of weekends. So it worked in our favour quite a lot to do viewings on properties in the evenings, because we got to meet a lot of the vendors instead of the estate agents, and that's how we got our next property, mm. um, was talking with the vendor, sitting down and just spending time with her, finding out, all about her, having cups of tea in her house, telling her exactly what we were looking to do. And that's how we managed to get the first kind of below market value deal. Right. Okay, well, we'll come back to that in a moment. Let's put that on pause because I'm really interested about the idea 
that you sort of worked out how to do this because you drove away, you had a five hour journey home, you said you were never coming back, but clearly something changed your mind because you did, and you realized that you needed to get education, you yeah. went to the master class, you joined VIP. So what was the process there then? And what, what changed between you saying, I'm never going back to suddenly being completely immersed in it? It was the start of the day that I decided I was never coming back because what should have been a three, maybe a three and a half hour journey. We got lost. It was in Nightmare Drive and mm. that's what made me not want to come back. Mm. Plus all of the other kind of, all the other things leading up to it. We had to take annual days leave from work. We had to arrange childcare for the children. And I just, it was an, a massive effort. And I thought, mm. I'm never doing this mm. again. But obviously we learned throughout the day the different, that it's a case of using systems mm. and that if each of us do certain parts, so Chris does the parts that he's good at, I do the parts I'm good at, that we could raise joint venture finance, we could make it work for us. So there was a desire that built up definitely and then it was just how are we going to do it? I knew if we went back home there's no way we'd have done it on our own because I'd been an ex-accidental landlord mm. way back when mm. and I've made loads of mistakes. And that totally and utterly put me off property, which was one of the reasons Chris had to drag me along. Mm. But it was learning that there were systems and processes and that with the right help we could do it, that we decided we needed some education. So, mm. and it was tough because we were living to our means. So um, we needed to figure out a way to, to afford the trainings. Mm. And Chris was really supportive, knew that it was the right thing for us to do, but we didn't know how we'd do it. Mm. So I uh, paid a deposit and then went home and thought, how are we going to figure this out? Mm. And I went to the filing. I'm a geek with paperwork. Mm. Went to the filing cabinet and I'd never been in debt. I was always told if you want something, you save up and you buy it. Mm. But I didn't want to wait. I knew I wanted to get started. Um, and I knew Chris had had credit cards in the past. So I went and peeled the label off the front of one of his credit cards. And with his permission, mm. we signed up for the masterclass and just kind of knew that if we were investing money that we didn't really have, but more than that, we were investing four days a time, mm. you know, taking the horrendous drive back. Mm investing in a hotel and investing four days of time that, you know, could have been spent with the boys, my two little boys, that I was going to make it work. Determination mm. played a big part. Mm. Well, it's interesting because you say leaving the beginner's day, you actually had total belief that you could do this, which is great. What was that belief built upon? I think I'm, not, I'm not saying that most people go away disbelieving, No. but you're very emphatic about the fact that you went away believing so much that you just knew it was going to happen. I think so hearing from different? yourself how you'd managed to do it, but seeing real life examples, we got taken on a tour of the offices and seeing that it was mm. a real building, mm. real people working within it. We had other trainers, you know, Peter, uh, sorry, Paul Smith just mm. popped in, mm. happened to pop in and he told us about some of the deals that he'd done mm. and seeing, you know, you'd showed us kind of examples of what people had achieved from all the different walks of life. Mm. And I think the thought process went from we can't do this to how can we do it? Mm. And then it was a case of putting, you know, strategies in place to ensure that we achieved it. So I think, I think I'd always had a belief that Chris wouldn't be able to do something with it. And I think it was a, a, the building of a desire and a belief in ourselves that I think you believed in us, saying mm. that I know that you can go out there and you can do it. Mm. That all played a part. Seeing that other people had done it, it was real life examples of people who'd achieved it in similar positions mm. to us. Mm. Knowing that if we invested time and money in it, we were going to make it work. Mm. I think it was a culmination of all of that. Mm. And I'm very, I get very overexcited. And, you know, I drove home with all of these ideas of mm. the fear of, oh, my God, what if it doesn't work? Mm. But how can we make it work? And we just jump feet first, you know, mm. booking 
appointments with estate agents and reading all of the books that we could, listen to audio programmes. We'd listen to the Be Your Own Bank audio on the way here, mm. which prevented us from arguing because we'd got lost. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think this is really important, Tony, because people might be listening to this podcast thinking, well, it's all right for Tony Gargan. Look at her. She's on stage. She's a progressive trainer. You know, it's easy for her. But actually, you started two years ago, yeah. sat in the seat, trying to work out how to make it happen. And you went home, and despite the fact that you've got two, two small children and you both had full-time jobs, you managed to work a way of how to do this so that you could go out there and start doing the deals. Yeah, I think... How hard was that, by the way? It, it was tough. There is no denying it was tough. Mm. You know, you say you go away and a lot of people think, oh, it's really easy. There's no way it was easy. Mm. Um, but I think we knew that from the start and we had a realistic... We had an advantage over most people because we knew it wasn't get rich quick. Mm. But we knew that if we wanted to really make it work for us, we were going to have to invest the time and find it and that we'd have to overcome some hurdles. So time blocking was really key, sitting down, looking at what we're currently doing, how much time we were wasting on things. Mm. You know, we talked about sitting down and watching TV of an evening because we'd use that as a wind down and we just mm. we allocated time evenings and weekends to make it work. Mm. And it was tough. There mm. is no denying that. But... Mm. I think the phrase to use is that it's simple, but it's not easy. The process mm. in itself is so simple. Mm. And the reason a lot of people don't do it is either they don't believe that they can do it or they hit a hurdle and they, you know, they give up. Mm. And it was knowing that we've got that determination there and that I think having each other there really helped. Mm. Having the right people, you know, if you're having a good day and Chris is having a bad day, I was there to cheer him up and vice versa. But having a, a common goal of getting him out of a job that he absolutely hated mm. was a driving force towards it. So... Mm. Yeah, it was tough, you know, it would be putting the children to bed of an evening, allocating a couple of hours to do right move searches and email estate agents to try and get viewings booked in, doing them up over weekends. So we had to invest some time that, that could have been spent with the boys. Mm. But I think it was all in the hope and the knowledge that once we'd achieved, you know, a little bit more freedom through property, that we'd have more time to spend with the boys. It was short term pain for long term gain. Yeah. And that, that probably sort of throws up the whole idea that it's so important to have that vision and goal. Definitely. And I suspect that a lot of people who sort of dabble with property and don't actually make it maybe don't have that goal. Yeah. But another way, you had a why. Yeah. The why, the W-H-Y type of why. Yeah. The why you wanted to do it. It's a very clear idea of what you're going to get out of property and why it had to succeed for you. Yeah. I mean, there was no way you were going to let it fail. No way. And I think, you know, because we've overcome obstacles, there's definitely been areas where things have maybe not necessarily gone to plan or we'd predicted something would go one way and it, it would go another. And that's where having the right people around you played a big part. Because if I'm honest, there were definitely days where you sit down and go, oh, my God, why am I doing this? Mm. And that's where the, the why comes into force. You know, I've always wanted to spend more time with my sons. Mm. I've always wanted to be able to go on holidays and do the things that I've wanted to do. So, mm. you know, we've we've made what some people are glasses sacrifices. Mm. We've not had a family holiday since mm. we started this. We hadn't mm. had one for two years prior to it anyway. Mm. So we've just booked our first family holiday. Chris leaves his job today and we've just booked our first family holiday in four years. Oh, wow. For August. So, yeah, wow. good things are Where happening. Where are you off to? We're off to Ibiza. Fantastic. Very quiet part, but to Ibiza. Fantastic. Ibiza's a lovely island. Mm, fantastic. Brilliant. So you said you've had some experience as an accidental landlord. Yeah. You made it sound like that didn't go too well. Yeah. What, is there a story there? Can you <laughs> share it? Definitely you wanna, a story. No, I'm happy to share. Okay. Hopefully other people will learn from it and not yeah. make the same mistakes. I 
kind of, if you think of every problem in property, I pretty much put them all into one. So I was 22 and I moved out of my house, moved out of the family home that we'd lived in to move in with my then boyfriend. And we were renting a house in Chester. So we'd moved a little bit of a distance from my family and we were renting and thought, rent, dead money. Mm. We're wasting money. What we'll do is we'll buy a house. Mm. So, because obviously at 22, I knew everything. And I'd never been in debt. So I thought, well, I'm going to have a great credit rating. We went along and we made the mistake of walking out of the house, going to the nearest estate agent, looking in the window, going, oh, there's some, some nice houses there. Walked into the estate agent and we were ambushed. Would you like to meet our mortgage advisor? Oh, OK, we'll meet the mortgage advisor. And we walked in there hoping that we were going to maybe have a little look at some houses and walked out with a mortgage in principle. And this was 2007. And it was a mortgage in principle for a hundred percent mortgage with mm. Northern Rock. Mm. <laughs> oh dear, right? Okay. So <laughs> that was the start of our journey. Bought a house, moved into it, lived in there for a little while. Subsequently, split up with that partner, and all of the issues of having bought at the wrong time. We'd paid too much for it. We got into a bid and war with another couple, and in the cold light of day, we brought the wrong pop property in the wrong area for, for too much money. Mm. And we also took some refurb costs on top because people were giving away money and we decided to take it. And when we'd split up, we realised that we'd paid too much for it, so much so that it was in negative equity. Oh dear. We couldn't just sell it. And my partner then, my then partner moved out and I kept on the house, struggling to make ends meet because it was quite a high mortgage. And I then took in a lodger and in a quite a short space of time realised that I hated living with people that I didn't know. So I was an accidental landlord in that I multi-let the property to three different people because it was the only way to actually cover all of the bills and mortgage. Mm. And I put tenants in that I'd just found. I hadn't done a huge vetting process on them because for me it was just I need to make sure that the mortgage is paid. So I had three different tenant types. I had a student, I had someone who was working at Airbus in, down the road and I also had a and a jack of all trades. He was a, an, a plumber in a, a plumber and an electrician, which should really raise alarm bells, shouldn't it? But um, I just needed to fill the property and I had a nightmare with it. I self-managed it. It was 45 minutes away because I've moved back home. And I used to get phone calls continually of one tenant complaining about the other. We had a huge leak and, you know, I, and not only was I, I a landlord, but I also didn't know that I didn't know anything, basically, so I hadn't changed my mortgage from a standard residential to a buy-to-let, and when I realised that I had to phone them up and ask for consent to let, so I was on a capital and repayment mortgage, and they were high, and I, I, I just, uh, yeah, that totally and utterly put me off property completely. It was a millstone round my neck because it was a negative equity and I couldn't sell it and just move on, but I also didn't want the hassle of managing the house and dealing with nightmare tenants. Mm. So did you eventually sell it, or have you still got it? Well, actually, we done started doing it because I, I actually read some of the books. Um, Chris was listening to some webinars and he, he was trying to find a different way because we knew we couldn't just sell it and, and make a loss. So we negotiated with my ex that he would pay me a percentage to come out of the property and that I would port the mortgage. So we found a house in the area that we wanted to and we managed to negotiate with, we, we viewed it directly with the vendor. We negotiated with them and we got the house for... £23,000 below what it should have been because um, she was in a position whereby she was in debt. She needed to pay off her mortgage. So we managed to port the mortgage over to a different property. 
And leave the property with your ex-partner? No, it's sold. It's so sold. we sold okay. the property at a loss, but we ported mm. the mortgage yep. for, at that point, I think it was 94000 mm. and we bought a house for eighty-three. So we'd effectively paid too much for the property, but it meant I no longer was tied to him. We changed it to my husband's name, and we've still got that mortgage on a different property now. Right. So and was that a house for you to live in or was that an investment property? At that point in time, it was a house to live in. It was just mm. a case of we need, because we were paying rent on a place that yeah. we were living in yeah. and we were stuck with a property that we couldn't do anything with. So we ported the mortgage over and we moved into the house and we stayed there to kind of reduce some of the debts on it. Right, okay. So we came out relatively unscathed. Yes. Could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse, but it explains quite a lot because I always think it's really interesting that it's Chris who dragged you here on that snowy January day. <laughs> because obviously I know how enthusiastic you are about property and everything to do with property. And Chris is quite quiet. So one would Im imagine if one thought about it that you'd be dragging him here. But it was the other way around and presumably that's why you had this shadow of this nightmare property hanging over you. Oh, I was never gonna do it again. It, because that point in time, you know, it was a big chunk of time and it was so stressful dealing with tenants, knowing that I owed a shed load of money on a house that, you know, even by that point in time, it had not reached its its value that we paid for it. We'd overpaid for it. And that totally and utterly put me off. But Chris has always been interested. He likes architecture, he likes the buildings, and he loves all that side of it. And I was just adamant we were, we were never going to get involved in it. Mm. But you did. Yeah. And you came here. You yep. did masterclass. You joined VIP. Yep. So what happened next? So we completely and utterly, you know, I jumped into doing viewings of evenings and weekends, still reading all of the books, coming back in month after month. And we got our first property within three months of doing the masterclass in VIP. Um, viewed a property with the vendor. This is the one that I'd explained. Viewed a property with the vendor um, and managed. It was on the market for, I think it was 85,000. And she'd lived in it for a long time. She didn't know a mortgage on it. Um, and we explained to her that we were going to be renting it out. We'd spoken to the neighbours and we managed to get a discount on the property. We put an offer in. By this point, I put an offer in on a property that I didn't have any funds for. Mm. I also didn't have a mortgage for, but I'd come off the back of the masterclass all enthused. I'm going to view loads of properties. I'm going to put loads of offers in. Kind of half hoping one would stick, but not really expecting one to. We put an offer in of... It was in the 60s, I think it was 60,000 or 61,000. And they asked, well, do, I'm afraid she won't accept that. And it was kind of a relief that she wouldn't. And then they said, would you like to make a higher offer? So we went up 2,000 because I was doing the round number, round number, mm. random number. And then I didn't get to do the random number because Victoria, the estate agent, phoned me back and said, she will accept 65 on it. Are you willing to, to go up to 65? And I said, yes. And I put the phone down and then I was like, uh. I haven't got a mortgage and I haven't got any funds. <laughs> So there was a mad dash and, you know, it was a case of, well, if not, we'll see if we can source it onto somebody else. Mm. We'll find a way to make it work. But we'd, I think everyone around us had noticed a, a change in us that, you know, we'd spent so much time. We were going to networking events. We were attending seminars. We were coming back into to Peterborough every month. And my sister and my father-in-law offered to invest in us, mm. offered to give us the funds for... Now, did you go looking for those funds or did they just volunteer them? No, it was, I had a conversation with my sister. My sister lives, I'm based up north, she's based down south. And we were having a conversation as we normally would. What have you been doing? What have you been up to? And I said, I've, I've put an offer in on a house that's been accepted and I haven't got a clue what to do. 
oh, well, how much do you need for it? And she said, I said, oh, you know, we've not even looked at getting a mortgage yet, we're, but we, if we pay 25% deposit, and it was, it was just over 16,000 that we needed for it. And she said, well, I've got some money there, do you want to loan it? And she offered it to us, and I was so scared. But uh, we decided that that would be the right route to do, and if we could get a mortgage, we'd give it a return on the money, and we offered 6% return. And we had the same conversation with Chris's dad, who said, I've got my funds there and I'm planning on paying for my funeral with it. I don't plan on dying anytime soon. Would you like to loan it? And we said yes. So there was our deposit. And we spoke to, it was a friend, someone that we, uh, my sister had gone to uni with him. Um, he's a land and commercial finance manager. So he's a, he's a broker in land and commercial finance. And because I'd been a landlord previously, albeit a rubbish one, um, he said that commercial route was a great route to go down. You can get a mortgage, you know, this was a couple of years back now, so it was easier to get a mortgage at that point in time with commercial than it was with buy to let. And we got a mortgage in principle and the funds agreed within the space of a couple of weeks mm. and bought our first property. Fantastic. So you, just to be clear, you found it through an estate agent. Yes. But because you were doing your viewings out of hours, because you've got the two children and you were doing it and, and jobs, you were doing your viewings in the evenings. Yep. So you met the lady who was selling. Yes. And do you think that had any kind of bearing on the fact that she took such a low Totally. Offer? Yeah, I think we invested time with it. I sat around, because um, it was in the area that I grew up in, so I knew the area really well, knew that, and it was on the market at 85,000, and in mm. the condition it was in, it wasn't worth that, it, mm. although it was on with the, the estate agents for that. And that's where knowing the area really played a big part. Um, and just spending time with her, she'd lived there, she'd been on her own there for a long time and I just sat down and drank cups of tea with her telling her, you know, we're just getting started. I was really open and honest, we're just getting started. You know, this is our plan and what we want to do and we want to give people great homes. And in order to do that, we need to find a way to, to make it work and I'd explain that, you know, obviously you've looked at, because the house was immaculately clean, mm. but it was very dated in decor and... It had no central heating, it had a warm air unit, so all of these things were kind of reasons when we'd sat down and discussed it. And also finding out her circumstances, because she she was in her 70s, she lived there alone, and she had problems with her hip. She was struggling getting up and down the stairs, it was a three-bed terrace, and her family had already relocated. So uh, she had two, I can't remember, daughters or sons, and they'd already moved to Yorkshire. So she was already paying for a flat, a retirement flat mm. and she had she was mo going to move anyway mm. so we discussed how we could make it work for her and us yeah so she's highly motivated yes but it was a win-win yeah definitely yeah, yeah fantastic so that became your first property yeah yeah so then you had a refurb to do yes did you know people or was that just sort of trying to learn it as you went along did you know what you were doing I think it was a bit of both we'd been networking we'd been taking business cards from everyone at networking events you know knowing that if we were going to be buying a property we'd want to refurb it um we'd done the section on the masterclass where you can refurb it effectively and we'd had recommendations of, of places to go um and we also kind of we got we got people who were willing to give free quotes so we took recommendations from people within the progressive community from people in the local area and one thing that really worked in our favour, particularly with the central heating, was Jessie, the, the vendor. Um, she has a little, a little bench outside her window and she used to sit outside and smoke. And I'd approached her and said to her, before we'd completed, 
would you mind if we had people come around and, and do some kind of costings for the works that we're going to get done on the property? And she'd said it was fine. But I also didn't want, you know, tons of people traipsing through a house at different times. So I, uh, I rang four different um, central heating engineers and they came one after the other. But obviously as one was leaving, they'd see the next one and mm. pull up and their van would be just drawing out and they'd say, what were you, what did he quote you? What were you getting from him? So they all kind of mm. haggled between themselves and we took the best deal on those. But mm. again, that all come from working with the vendor because she was willing to let us do that before we even owned the property. Mm. There's one, she said to us, I just want someone who's going to look after it. She'd lived there since it was built in the 60s. She raised her children there and she knew she just wanted someone to look after it. And we'd already met the neighbours just by kind of going around, having a little look outside in between. And we'd met the neighbours and we'd said we want to put some really good tenants in there. And I'm sure that played a part. The neighbours saying, oh, they'll look after your house. So um, refurbing it was, was, we got some really great deals in that respect. Taking recommendations from people in the local area, um, local networking meetings and haggling with people. Mm, brilliant. So you did a standard BRR. Yes. Buy, refurbish, refinance. You did the refurb, you added some value and then presumably you refinanced at the yes. end of that? Yes. Yeah. So actually, the first mortgage that we got was a standard buy to let. It was with Birmingham Midshires and then we commercially refinanced back out of it. So mm. again, having a, a good broker played a yeah. big part in that. So we refinanced that quite quickly. Um, you managed to get most or all of your money back out? Yeah, in total we left £3,500 in it. That's not bad, is it? It's not bad. Not bad. So then that money which all came out went into the next one? Yeah, so the intention was we just wanted to prove to, because obviously we'd loaned the money from family members, it was a case of let's get them paid back and show that we can do it. Mm. But um, you told us it. But I think you don't really believe that people will do it. When people invest with you and they get their, their return, they'll go again. Mm. But I think I was more incentivised to make sure that we got the money back out as soon as possible to mm. prove a point to family members. Mm. And yeah, the money's just gone again. We paid the interest back and we've used that same pot of money to, to reinvest. Right, so you've been going for a couple of years now. Yes. And you're building your portfolio. Yes, yeah, so we've yeah. done it, well, we've done it all with joint venture finance. Right, and how, how are you getting on? Okay, we've got a couple of, so we're, we're still recycling that money. We're investing it because the intention now is to build a portfolio for my sister. She was gave us the first kind of start in it all. And she lives down south. She's working a ridiculous number of hours per week. Cost of living is much higher, but her aim is always to move back home. So we're using that pot now to buy her first property for her to eventually move into and to give her an income stream here. So we're doing that. We have joint ventured with people that we've met in the community and then people outside of the community. And we've just done the first one on a block of six apartments with one joint venture partner. Now, when you say you've done, what was you As in you we've do? joint ventured on it. Right, so okay. we've, that one, we, so it's gone through an entire process on how we would do it, whether we would joint venture, but we've sourced that one on in the long run and we're taking a big chunk of, uh, we take a hefty fee. Mm. So we found the property um, through a sourcing agent, someone that we met through the progressive community. They found the property and we've, we're portfolio building for a joint venture partner. We've got our own block of apartments with another joint venture partner. So I like single lets. We've got a couple of HMOs um, and they're great and they cash flow and I like the hands-off approach. But for me, single lets are the bread and butter. Mm. And so we started and we got a couple of our own and then we decided that we wanted to do them on a bigger scale. So 
we still had no funds to invest and we joint ventured with a joint venture partner who put in all of the funds. We got a block of six apartments and we split that 50-50. So they put all of the funds in, they paid for the refurb. It actually came through a sourcing agent, so they paid the sourcing agent's fees and we managed the whole process. We got the builders in, we managed the entire refurb and we've got 50% of the property. So you actually own 50% or you will own or you yes. do own 50% of six Of that one, of the six, yeah. So in total plus. we have, we either own, we rent to rent or we own outright. We own rent to rent or we joint venture on 15 different units. So not entire property, because in one property we've got mm. five, in another property we've got six. So there's mm. 15 units that we own or gain benefit from. That's control. pretty good going in two years, isn't it? It's not bad. And that's enough to get Chris out of his job? Yes. So we'd replaced my income quite quickly um, within 12 months because we'd done, we, got, we got some rent to rent with family. Um, so we replaced my income in 12 months or a income. And the intention was always to get Chris out of his job. But then I had set myself the challenge of trying to take your job and run your training days. Mm. Um, so I, it made sense for me to leave work first. But then replacing Chris's income was the next hurdle. And once we'd replaced it, you know, you live to a better lifestyle. You know, we got a nicer house, we got a nicer car. And Chris is really risk averse. Mm. And had he not been offered redundancy, I think he'd still worry about how we're going to make it work, how we're going to get mortgages. But joint venture partners are the way that we'll do that. You know, neither of us are going to be employed as such. But we've got enough of an income from properties now to know that we're comfortable. Mm. And we know that we can keep building upon it. We source properties, we portfolio build for other people. And speaking and training just means that it's kind of the icing on the cake. Fantastic. So you've got cash flow from the 15 units. Yes. Do you do anything? Do you do flips? Do you do sourcing? We've do you never do done flips previously. Mm. Um, we've just kind of wanted to build our own portfolio. And because we didn't have funds ourselves, joint venture was the way to go. Um, but obviously as a result of that, we've found properties that weren't necessarily suiting our requirements and it w I think it was a passing comment from someone who was like well if you can't do it why aren't you sourcing it on so we don't actively source properties for people but you know deals will come across us because we use two main estate agents that we liaise with now and they give us you know preferential treatment on do you want to have a look at these deals and if they don't suit our requirements we source them to our other investors and we take a fee when we source them on so we don't actively source for people but it's cool when deals come across your desk that you don't want that you can still make a fee on them and help someone else build their portfolio. Yeah, and it's interesting that you're the estate agent's preferred buyers after such a short period of time. How did you manage that? Um, lots of contact. So there's two main estate agents that we liaise with and both are independent agents and I think that plays a big part. Mm. So it was a case of going in and it's, it's taken a little bit of time to build that up, but going in and explaining you know, using a little bit of a spiel of I'm part of a network of 300 investors who all work together. They've got extensive portfolios. And if a deal doesn't suit our requirements, we will try and help you sell them to other investors. And I took the, so it was, the, they're both franchise, well, one's owned as an independent agent and one's a franchise. And I just started kind of popping in when, oh, I've just been in the area obviously driving laps and laps around the area to find a parking space. I was just in the area. I'd pop in, I'd have a cup of tea. Take and cakes with you? Yes. So there was a little water stones down the bottom of the road mm. and 
I'd take cakes, just a little mm. box of cakes in with me. It was a tiny little agent, so there was only three people working there. Yeah. I've got a couple more staff now. Um, and I'd take cakes in and I'd sit and I'd say, what have you got? And, you know, is there any way that I can help you? Any deals that you're struggling to source on that you think I'll be able to, to sell to any of the investors that I'm working with? We'd go out for lunch once every now and again. So I'd take the, the female owner out for mm. lunch. And we just kind of, we, we built up a rapport and a relationship. And I think when you've done the first one, you know, it shows that you, you know what you're doing. Mm. So the first one was actually one that we'd sourced on. We didn't buy it ourselves with that mm. agent mm. Um, and just built up a relationship in that way. Mm. And the other agent was very similar. He just happened to be the one showing me around a property. We got talking, that's what it is. Mm. Got talking about what we do, what we help other investors to do. And he phoned me. I went for a meeting with him two days ago. What day are we on? Yeah, he went for a meeting two days ago. And he said to me, um, I know you're obviously part of... of a network of people. Um, do you think we maybe we could set up some sort of arrangement where if you help me sell any of the deals, we split commissions on them? And I just, yeah, that's just cool that people yeah. value you as an asset to do Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Because the thing is, though, Tony, and you know this as well, that it's very easy to talk about this stuff. And people listen and say, oh, yeah, going to see the agents taking cakes and having a cup yeah. of tea with them. They can think, yeah, that, that's a good idea, but not actually do it. do it. But yeah. it's when you do it, you start to see the results and things happen. Yeah, the first time's so scary because you just think you're going to give your details and you're going to say, oh, I'm an investor. And they're going to go, OK, thanks. And then put your stuff in the mm. bin when you mm. go. But I think when you speak at a certain level as well, so the knowledge that we gained, you know, from through, through the trainings to, yeah. and the role plays that we've done to, to know that if you're going to say anything, you say it in the right way. And, you know, how can I help you? And the first time you do it is the scariest. Mm. And then after that, it only takes that first conversation to say, is it all right if I keep in touch with you? Mm. You know, we want to make sure that we're building our portfolio and other people's kind of keep in touch, kind of, you know, pop in for a cuppa. And then when you do, you just take cakes and they appreciate it. Mm. Totally, yeah. It's just actually yeah. bridging the gap between thinking about it and, and doing, doing it. it. Doing it. So it's fantastic. Chris is out of his job yes. in, in a good way. Yep. You've booked your family holiday. Yep. What's next? What's the next goal? And what are we? What are you working towards now? So and how are you going to get there? <laughs> so the next goal is to move up a level for us to have other people coming on board. Um, so I obviously love speaking and training, and that's a massive passion of mine. So the idea is that we systemise the business even more. It's quite systemised with single lets anyway. So we've taken on a virtual assistant, and she does a lot of searches for us, and does some of the legwork that we were doing initially. And it's to get Chris network, and that's my next aim. Even though he hates like the idea. like two and a half years Do you really want to do that to him? I know. It may make us, we may get divorced, but <laughs> he, he genuinely wants to do it as well. So there's always been barriers of, well, well, we can't do it. We've not got enough time. If I'm away training, then Chris is there. So first step, spend some time together, knowing that property's bringing us in, income passively, that we don't have to mm. like, physically... We just want to spend a bit of time as a family because we mm. now can. We've always, this was the sole aim of it. Yeah. So to do that, so over the summer holidays, um, that's why Chris is leaving now. We're going to take Oliver out of nursery a little bit early and we're going to spend some time together as a family. And we're going to continue. We've kind of, the last few months in particular, we've been helping other people build their portfolios and taking a step back. Mm. So now it's time to, to ramp up our, and get some more properties so on board again. for us. Yes. So raise some more joint venture finance. We've got some joint venture finance that we've not yet used. Mm. So raise joint venture finance, get some more properties and get 
more of an income to we want to move so to buy the house that we really want to live in and Chris has got a bit of an obsession with watches starting to buy it's starting to retreat ourselves buy the things that we want to buy knowing that we've got money coming in anyway so Chris will spend more time networking he really wants to get good at that um, building our own portfolio while still helping other people to do the same mm. and start enjoying the free time and additional income. Brilliant. So how are you raising your JV finance? You're obviously the sister and father-in-law. Yeah, that was the first step. Now there's other sources of, in of JV finance? Yes. Yeah, so um, how did you find them? The first joint venture partner was part of the community. Okay. So um, we've met him through the community. We'd been in touch and he was he was actually already an investor and he was already in kind of property and building his own portfolio and I asked could I you know I said that I've been watching him on the Facebook community could I meet up with him so I took a drive to meet him we met up we started chatting and he'd said that he could see a lot of the traits that he had when he started out in us and he'd love to invest with us and it was that one first joint venture partner that one first deal that opened the doors to others because he then opened the doors to his joint venture partners he's got a revolving credit facility and it snowballed from there well and that's exciting but do you ever get nervous oh particularly God, yeah. spending on the people's money of course if you so how do you deal with that it's about sitting down and identifying what each person wants from it being realistic with the heads of terms drawing up these are we work everything out on a best case scenario worst case scenario and if it works on a worst case scenario we'll use that as the standard for the joint venture you know mm. we're likely to get whatever percentage back out or however much money back out and we look at every possible opportunity every possible thing that could go wrong and overcome it from the start what if we don't get it valued up to the right amount this is the route we'll take we look we always have two options so we always look at when we're buying a property if for whatever reason we couldn't rent it out would it work as a flip would we still be able to sell it on at a profit everyone walk away with a minimum of their money back out and ideally a, a chunk of money on top um, so I think it's about actually sitting down and discussing mm. all of those things from the start instead of brushing them under the carpet and if and when they happen, mm. trying to deal with it. So, yeah, I still get nervous and I think that's a good thing. Mm. Ultimately, these are big sums of money and it's other people's money that, you, that you're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a responsibility there. But what I really love about that story is that you took action again. There's a common theme here, isn't there? Yeah. It's about you taking action. And when and you take action, yeah. things happen. And sometimes you don't want to, you know, you book in, and we've all done it, you book in the coffee, or there's been times when I've gone, oh, I'm not going to go and see the estate agents this week. You know, we've got too much on, and that was one of the reasons that I knew I needed accountability. Mm. Because, you know, in, when we were, it was only July last year that I left my job. So it was only, you know, it was about 18 months into the property journey that mm. I left my job. There's always going to be things that, that get in your way, and you don't feel like doing it, or the weather's rubbish. Mm. But I think that all comes back to having a big reason why and mm. knowing that the end game is totally going to be worth it. Mm. So for anybody who's listening who might be in the same position you were in two years ago, what would you say? What, what's your kind of like biggest learning on your journey so far? What one piece of advice do you think you could give people which would make the biggest difference? That you just have to decide what you want and create a plan to get there break it down because most people think that you know where you are now to whatever life you want is this massive massive jump and a lot of the time it is but actually to reverse engineer it break it down into the steps and just take the first next step because once you've done the first one you start you know 
you overcome that little obstacle and move on to the next. So break it down so it's not such a huge challenge and just take the first next step. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've said a few times, and I'm not hurt by this, by the way, I can deal with it. But you said a few times that one of your goals was to take my job. Yes. Yeah. And to be the lead trainer and to take off yeah. on beginner's days and do the stuff I was doing. Yeah. When we met two and a half years ago. Well, you're doing it. Well. So how did that happen? So. And did you ever think it could in reality? In reality, no. You know, it was kind of like, well, I love what you've achieved. And I think it's great. And I love that you, you're helping other people to do the same because genuinely we wouldn't have if you'd not if you if we'd have not come along if you'd have not made us realize that it's simple when you break it down that anyone can invest in property if you find the right way and the right people around you to do it i genuinely don't think we will be which is why i'd said i'm i'm genuinely honored to be here because i never thought i'd be doing your job i mm. thought i'd make give it a go mm. and i'd take some steps in you know in the right direction but i did the, the speaker training with Progressive because I thought, well, if I want to be a speaker and a trainer for Progressive and unlimited success, then I need to do their trainings. Mm -hmm. And I did that in May 2015. So I've done it quite quickly. Mm. Again, because if, you know, I'm, I'm determined I'm going to do something, then I'm going to do everything I possibly can to achieve that. So I attended mm. the speaker training. And again, it comes back to taking action. Mm -hmm. I attended every single event I could as a delegate and you know just sitting on the sidelines watching watching what all the speakers and trainers were doing and every single opportunity that came my way i put my name in the hat for mm. i watched what you were all doing i copied i practiced i started learning the information and i attended every single event i possibly could mm. and now look at you not just beginners days but multiple streams of property income yep yeah the big three-day event yes and what other events are you doing um, we set up our own myself with some of the other people I met through Progressive. So I met Rebecca on the masterclass, Rebecca Smith, and I met Jackie Tomes and Catherine Turner on the speaker training. And we realised that there were very few women at that point in time as part of Progressive Unlimited Success. So we decided to pitch an idea to Rob to set up Women Building Wealth, which is an event to get women involved in Progressive and Unlimited Success. So we run training events for that. I run joint venture consultation days, the two-day event. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I run expert speaker discoveries. I run an academy where I mentor other people to be speakers and trainers mm. after going on the training alongside you. Yeah, so there we are. So you're not just a trainer now, but you're training trainers. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty cool, isn't it? I absolutely love it. Totally found my passion, and I think it's finding what you're passionate about and fitting that into to your life. So... Although I don't love the kind of detail in property, the joint venture that Chris and I have got in terms of he loves the detail, I love the being loud and speaking to people, mixing the two together and then following that route, you know, going through some hard times to get to where you want to be. But when you can, when you achieve, you know, once we'd achieved an income through property, it meant that I was able then to take a side step into training people and helping them do the same. Mm. The benefit was we were only, I was only ever one step ahead of some of the people who were coming in. Mm. And if you can show someone, anyone, that you've taken steps, a little bit of action, a little bit of hard work, and you're well on your way to where you want to be, that they can do it too, that's, that's something that's really cool in my opinion. Yeah, brilliant. Well, Tony, we're probably coming to the end of our time now, so it's been wonderful to have you here today. 
Thank you for having me. No, 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 absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. In terms of the property side, yeah. are you sourcing deals for clients? Yeah, so um, mainly for the joint venture partners that we're working with right, already. Okay. So we'll determine when we look at a deal, are we going to joint venture on it? Are we going to 50-50? Are we going to do a one for me, one for you? where they'll fund both deals, or are we just going to source it onto them? So they're the main things that we do. Okay, so the key question is, are you still looking for JV partners, or have you got enough? Always, you can never have enough joint venture partners. So anybody listening to this, if they thought, well, you never know, I might want to JV with Tony, if it was possible. Yeah. How, how can they get in touch with you? So I am always on the Facebook community. I'm part of, you can find me on the Progressive Property Community under the trainers, and you can connect with me on social media and find me at our company website. Right, so if somebody invites you to be a friend on Facebook or PMs you and all, all that kind of social media type stuff which I don't yeah. fully understand but I'm trying to, <laughs> they're going to find you somewhere and, yeah, and, and you're there. Definitely. You're there, fantastic. So Tony, it has been wonderful. Seeing your journey over the last couple of years has been amazing. The thing which I love about it is that it's a journey which you have made your own but so many people could emulate and do themselves if they just took the actions that you've taken and you're just such a good example of action taking and where action taking can lead to so it's been great to have you here today so this has been a great podcast seeing tony if you ever get a chance to see tony on stage come to the multiple streams of property income events watch tony just remember that two and a half years ago tony was sat in the event wondering what's going to happen next and that's the journey we're all on. And that can be your journey to property success. So I've been Peter Jones. This has been the Progressive Property Podcast. If you want to contact me, if you have any ideas for podcasts, get in touch through the community, private message me, get in touch with me on Messenger, whatever. Tell me, give me a question. If it looks like it'd be something which could be of benefit to everybody, we might cover it in a podcast. I don't promise, but send me your ideas. We'll have a think about it. In the meantime, I'll see you at the next podcast. And here's to successful property investing.